Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hamstring injuries can be painful and if severe enough can take you away from run training for quite some time. Today, Karen and I are going to share with you the risk factors for developing hamstring injuries. And we're also going to give you some suggestions for nutrition and training to help prevent the injury in the first place and to help speed up recovery. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen and our topic for discussion today is all about hamstring injury and we're going to be talking about nutrition for fast recovery. Uh, But before we start, I'd just like to welcome our regular listeners. Thank you for coming back to us. And if you are listening for the first time, a warm welcome to you. And we really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you enjoy our previous episodes and our future ones too. So as I said, our topic today is all about hamstring injuries, which is thought to be one of the most common and frequent injuries experienced by elite athletes. And it's also very common in amateur athletes too. Um, And I'm sure Karen's going to share stories about um, her hamstrings with us, because I know it's something that she's um, experienced, shall we say. Uh, um, Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll hear more about that as we go along. So today, what we're going to do is give you an overview of the mechanisms and the risk factors associated with hamstring injuries. Then we'll outline some exercises and training considerations to help prevent and speed up recovery from injury. And then we'll discuss nutrition uh, to help prevent uh, and speed up uh, recovery too. So as always, we've got lots to chat about. um, But before we get into the detail of the topic, um, Karen, I was just wondering why you chose um, hamstrings to talk about today. Yes, well, like you say, Aileen, it's something that's close to my heart because I've um, experienced it and still do. So that's one reason. But um, but first of all, hi, everybody. Lovely to be here again. And hi to you as well, Aileen. And I think that um, 
You know, another reason that I chose this topic really is because, like you rightly said um, at the beginning, alien, it is thought to be one of the most frequent injuries experienced by athletes, certainly elite athletes, but also it is thought to um, be common in amateur runners and athletes as well. Now, hamstring injuries can be acute or chronic, and the presenting symptoms and the potential risk factors for them occurring will be different for every person. But how many runners um, know how to assess whether they might be at increased risk of developing a hamstring injury or not, or how they could potentially help and support prevent um, prevention of an injury using the food plan, using exercise as well. Now, that's really what we're going to cover today. So the aim is really by the end of the episode, everybody will feel more informed on potential signs and symptoms to look for and what to do nutritionally and around their training if they do begin to experience any niggles themselves. So I hope this sounds good to everybody and that um, there'll be some benefit from listening to the episode. It certainly sounds good to me, Karen. Uh, so let's get started. And um, first of all, I'm just wondering how many people know that the hamstring relates to both tendons and muscle. Uh, so the hamstring tendons are strong bands of tissue that are situated at the back of the thighs uh, that attach the large thigh muscle to the bone. Uh, and the hamstring muscle refers to a group of three muscles that run along the back of the thigh uh, from the hip to just below the knee. Um, so that just uh, gets us focused on what we're what we're talking about uh, physiologically. So let's move on, Karen. And um, maybe we could start by a definition of what a hamstring injury is. Mm, absolutely. And just to add to that, Aileen, I don't know how many people are actually aware that the hamstring is made up of, of three muscles. You know, we speak about hamstrings, but I think we just, well, yeah. I said, used yeah. to think it was one big muscle at the back of my leg, but it's not. It's actually three. So that is a, a little factoid, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, again, going back to your question um, about what... Um, what a hamstring injury is and defining that. Now, in a review study, um, a recent one actually in 2020 done by um, Adam Danielson and colleagues, they did a review study on the mechanisms of hamstring injuries. And he um, described uh, the injury as a stretch type injury to the hamstrings caused by extensive hip flexion with an extended knee. Now, it is thought that most hamstring injuries occur during sprinting. And Danielson um, went on to state that hamstring injuries during sprinting are most likely to occur due to excessive muscle strain caused by that eccentric contraction during the late swing phase of the running gait cycle. So again, towards the end of that running gait cycle, you are extending out the, the leg. And that is when it is thought to be um, the, 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 the time when it's most likely to happen. Okay, that makes sense, Karen. Um, so is this the only potential cause or are there any other causes? Well, 
you know, on on and the research certainly that I was reading, it would appear that the high speed running or sprinting is the most common cause of a hamstring injury. However, there are some studies that suggest um, stretching movements might also cause it. And interestingly, um, regarding those two, the high speed running hamstring injury appears to have a shorter recovery time than the stretching type injury. And I don't know the reason for that because I thought it might be the other way when thinking about it but um but anyway it's supposed to be a quicker recovery uh, if it's from a, a high speed running injury rather than a stretching injury okay that's uh, useful to know mm. so um now that uh, you've established the definition of a hamstring injury and the, the potential causes um, let's move on and think about the potential risk factors to the development. And you've mentioned that it occurs mostly during speed running. So, you know, sprinters could be at increased risk of developing a hamstring injury. Are there any other risk factors for the this type of injury, Karen? Yeah, actually, Aileen, there are quite a lot of risk factors or potential risk factors for um, for a hamstring injury. And one is having a previous hamstring injury. So if you've had one in the past, you've maybe recovered from it and your running's going well, you are potentially still at increased risk of it happening again. Um, and you know, if it's it also another reason is if it hasn't healed completely, so potentially you've gone back to running too soon, then that could mean that you're at increased risk of of um, a, a repetitive hamstring injury. And I think, you know, how many of us have done that? You think, oh, yeah, I feel fine. I'll be able to deal with it. It's just a little niggle now so I can go back running. And I know that I can I, I I can uh, relate to that. I have done that in the past. But also tired muscles, weak muscles, um, either the hamstrings themselves or potentially weak or lazy glutes as well can make you at increased risk. And also poor flexibility of the hamstrings, which might lead to overstretching um, during that speed running. And that can read, lead to a tear. And also muscle imbalance. Um, now, this is a controversial risk factor but there are some exp uh, some experts that um believe if one muscle group so for example the quadriceps or the quads as, as we all know them by if they are particularly strong and more developed it could mean that hamstring injury is more likely so even with them we always speak about balance and even our muscles need to be in balance yeah. um, and and um, you know so so that's some alien, and I'm sure you've got lots of ideas yourself that um, you think could potentially be risk factors for this injury. What would you add to that? Um, well, I think age is a factor. You know, just generally the risk of injury increases as we age. Um, you you talked about stretching, so you know perhaps having an inadequate warm up before exercise and lack of stretching following exercise are contributing factors. Um, now there are this um, another area that might be connected. So it's um, it's around lower back pain and the um, sacrio sacrio joint function. Sacroiliac yeah. joint yeah. function. Um, yeah. so that's the joint that links the pelvis and the lower spine. Um, on one, there's one on each side of the spine, just above the tailbone. Um, and also, chronic hormone imbalance is thought to be a risk factor. So, 
you know, there's quite a lot going on there, really. It's it's not surprising <laughs> that yeah. so many people suffer from hamstring injuries, is it? I know. And, and you know, that's not exhaustive. There's even this, the, the idea that running posture. So if you're a forward leaning runner, then potentially you're, you're more at risk of developing a hamstring injury, the overstriding. Um, and I wonder if that's maybe what's led to um, or being a contributing factor to mine because I do, I, th- I think I do take long strides and um, and also foot strike patterns. Um, so if you're a heel striker rather than a forefoot um, runner, uh, you are thought to be at an increased risk as well. And also, and this is, has been researched, that stress and anxiety um, have been shown to increase the risk of any um, running injury occur- occurring. Now, we always speak about that chronic inflammation um, due to stress and anxiety, and it appears to be linked to that. And also, of course, thinking about our diets, if um, if somebody's having a pro-inflammatory diet, that might influence the development of a, of a hamstring um, injury as well. So like you say, Aileen, there are many potential factors that could be contributing to to the development of this injury okay so um, I'm just thinking about um, female runners Karen are there any female factors that we need to consider yeah well interestingly Aileen um, females are thought to have a lower risk of hamstring injuries than males and this seems to be related to um, estrogen in Reduced uh, muscle stiffness. So, in other words, having optimal estrogen has been reported to con- um, contribute to a decrease in that muscle stiffness and to an increase in muscle strength. And due to that, women are um, at at a lower risk uh, of of sustaining a, an injury in general. I believe, um, but this this study was speaking about hamstring injuries. And then, Aileen, you mentioned earlier about age. Now, that is another factor as well, um, and, and linking that to oestrogen and the menstrual cycle, clearly oestrogen levels drop at menopause and therefore increases a female's risk of developing um, a hamstring injury or, or any other muscular injury, um, um, to be frank, Aileen. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of midlife runners will you know they'll identify with that they'll they'll think yeah I, I was fine and I think but since I've got into midlife I seem to have got lots of niggly injuries and, and we know that that's linked to um, estrogen levels dropping so yeah interesting thing to consider mm-hmm. uh, okay so we've we've determined that there's lots of different risk factors for the development of hamstring in just in injury so it's really important for everyone to be mindful of these risk factors and um, just sort of observe if, if you have any of the risk factors um, so that um, you, you can take sort of um, remedial action if you like um, so let's take a look at um, how you can potentially limit that risk and support a speedy recovery from a hamstring injury so what would you suggest, Karen? How can we limit the risk of that hamstring injury? Well, I think the most obvious one uh, would be really, and an easy one would be just to ensure that you warm up and um, warm or cool down properly after running and also that you stretch regularly. And again, this is a fault of mine. Nothing I've spoken about this in the past is I'm better at it, but I still am not consistent enough with um, with the stretching after 
uh, well, dynamic stretching actually before and stretching afterwards. I think I'm probably better now at stretching afterwards before I go indoors, because if I go indoors, it just doesn't happen because my brain goes somewhere else. Um, but I tend to just step out the door and run. And I know that that dynamic stretching could be really, really helpful. But also foam rolling regularly um, is known to be really helpful. So for people who strength train, Maybe doing some um, rolling, giving yourself enough time to do some um, foam rolling at the end of your strength circuit. That's what I do now. I just uh, I set aside 10 minutes at the end of my gym session and I just get the foam roller out and, and do some rolling. And strength training itself will um, is is thought to and has been researched in helping to reduce that risk of injury occurring in the first place. Now, another idea really would be to look out for potential signs and symptoms of an injury occurring and then taking action immediately. And um, clearly the signs and symptoms that somebody presents with will depend on the individual, but also on the severity of the injury. Again, when you when you get that initial potential niggles that you were speaking about, Alien, it's easy to ignore them. But if you do notice anything, then, yeah, stop running, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good always to be reminded of that because we don't always have our own reminders, do we? Um, so let's just talk through what the typical symptoms are that people should look out for. So uh, you might notice a sudden and a sharp pain in the back of the thigh. Um, I mean, that makes my blood go cold just thinking about this, but maybe a popping or a tearing sensation. Um swelling or tenderness or bruising, any change in skin colour along the back of the leg or muscle weakness or an inability to, to uh, weight bear. Um, and obviously the symptoms um, will sort of appear and, and, it, and will be more self-evident depending on the severity of the injury. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of quite you know, potentially quite serious, really. So it's got to be something that you don't just ignore. So Karen, I'm, I'm wondering if you could share a bit more about your hamstring injury history, because I know it's something that has been a, a bother to you. Mm, absolutely, alien, still a, a bit of a niggle. Now, what, what's unusual about mine is that it, it, it didn't have an acute onset, uh, onset. You know, you were speaking about that sudden and sharp pain in the back of the thigh, and that is nothing, not at all what I experienced. Um, it, it was just sort of more of a, a general um, niggle. Um, that I always put down to my glutes because I do have lazy, naturally lazy glutes. I've been told that. So I just put it down to a glutes issue and was just really working on um, trying to strengthen my glutes when I was at the gym. Now, Aileen, at the beginning of, of our conversation, you mentioned that the hamstring, um, that, that we have hamstring tendons as well as hamstring muscles. And from the research that I did for this episode, uh, but also past information that I've received from um, my sports rehab specialist, because I have seen somebody about this as well. I think it, it, it's a tendon issue that um, that it, it apparently is quite rare, certainly more rare um, than, uh, than a hamstring muscle injury. And its medical name is proximal hamstring tendinopathies. And I've had tendinopathies in other 
joints and places. So I do wonder if if that's what it is. Um, and, and the reason I think it's this is because the principal symptoms for this type of injury, so this tendinopathy, um, hamstring tendinopathy, is gradual onset and increase of pain in the back and in the upper thigh. thigh. Now, it is mostly for me in the upper thigh. The pain can be felt really deep into the buttock, which was my and still is my key symptom. And that's why I thought it was a glute issue, because that's where the the, the, the sort of discomfort comes from. Now, the pain can extend down the back of the thigh, down to the knee. And it's a bit like a um, a nerve pain that goes like a sciatic nerve pain that goes down. And, and I can get that, especially if I'm on long journeys driving, the pain moves from my, my, um, glute down into the, into the thigh. And then um, you get this increasing pain when you're sitting. Another issue, like I was saying before, that, um, that I experience. So when I'm working at my desk um, for like a whole day um, and also, like I say, um, driving long distances, it can become quite uncomfortable and I have to just try and keep moving. Um, so I'll get up from my desk, go for a walk, come back down and that eases it for a, a little bit. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about my, my history of, of, of um, a hamstring issue. Yeah, that doesn't sound very nice at all, Karen. So what do you do? Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things that you, you try to do to not sit in too long and keep him moving. But is there anything else you do to manage this type of injury or sort of it's, it almost feels like a chronic injury? It's there yeah. all the time. Yeah, it is. It is chronic and frustrating as well, because it does kind of impact on my performance a bit because I can only stretch my legs so far. So when I'm speed training, I feel I could go faster, but my my hamstring tendon won't let me. Um, so I am trying to be really mindful of my stretching um, around my running, like I was saying, much better at it afterwards. But I do need to think more about the dynamic running. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think, what else do I do? I do do the stretching more regularly. I probably could do it more often and the foam rolling when I'm at the gym. And also I attend online yoga for runners now once a week on a Monday evening. And I find that really, really beneficial because it's really kind of helps stretching out um, the, the, the glute, the hamstring, all that sort of um, um, pelvic area. Um, and if this is something that any Anybody fancies getting involved in um, joining the the yoga for runners class? It's really wonderful because it's restorative yoga, um, and I can give you the the details. So do get in touch with us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and I'll give you um I'll give you all the details and it's it's M Yoga that does it. Now I also have a sports massage twice a year, um, just to sort of see what's going on and where I am with it all and I do the strength training um two to three times a week so I do try to manage it but still at times it can be um it can be quite painful 
Um, I've also read recently about trigger point needling for um, hamstring tendinopathies. Now, I have had um, that trigger point needling in the past for a for a hip issue. And I have to say it was really, really helpful, really uncomfortable in the moment, uh, a bit like acupuncture. But oh, my goodness, it was so helpful. So I think I might just think about exploring that treatment again. Okay, well, it sounds uh, all good stuff, Karen, that you, yeah. you're sharing with us. And hopefully that'll be helpful to um, everyone listening. Um, so just thinking back to the more common ham- hamstring uh, muscle injuries, um, if you do suspect that you've got an injury, we, our advice is always to seek professional support from either a physio or some other kind of musculoskeletal specialist. Um, but there are some things that you can do uh, while you're waiting for your appointment. Um, so the first thing, as Karen mentioned it already, is stop running until you have it investigated, which is, I know, hard advice to take, but it probably will serve you well. Uh, and the other thing you can do is introduce uh, rice therapy for the first two or three days. Now, most of you will have heard of uh, this method before, um, and we've certainly spoken about it on previous episodes. But just to reiterate, uh, the RICE acronym stands for rest, ice, compression and elevation. So uh, the rest part is rest your leg as much as possible. The ice part is applying cold packs, maybe a bag of frozen peas wrapped in a, a towel will help um, or and, and do that, you know, apply it to the hamstring area up to 20 minutes, two to three hours, um, every two to three hours during the day. Um, and just remember not to apply ice directly to your your skin uh, or you might have a frozen um pack that you can use for muscles that isn't frozen peas um i've got one of those which i find really helpful um the compression bit is using um some kind of compression or bandage to the thigh to limit any swelling and movement and which could be causing further damage so you can use either a simple elastic bandage or a elasticated tubular bandage and you can get these from any pharmacy and then finally, elevation, um, keep your leg raised and supported on a pillow as much as possible, and that will help reduce any swelling. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think um, that would be the main bits of advice there. Yeah, I think, like you say, Aileen, just that immediate um, or remedial care for yourself um, and those two things, stopping running and um, applying the RICE acronym would be a really good start. I think that's really sound advice. Um, and I think we could discuss this further, but I think the key message from us is to seek the support from a musculoskeletal specialist and they can then advise you on the best treatment for your particular injury. So on that note, Aileen, I think it might be time to pause for a a short advert break. So I'm going to hand back to you again. Thanks, Karen. So this is the moment in the episode where uh, Karen and I take a moment to tell you what we're doing outside of the podcast. And you may have heard the news by now or maybe not. uh, But we wanted to share with you that our Healthy Woman Healthy Runner program is opening soon. Um, We'd love you to join us. Uh, So the doors open on the 27th of March. So not long now. Now, we we designed the program and the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method because we felt there was a need for a simple approach, um, which solved all the challenges that many midlife female runners uh, face. We hear all about these challenges all the time. So women tell us that 
they're experiencing tiredness, that they're noticing changes in their body shape and loss of muscle tone. Um, they're experiencing irregular and heavy periods, uh, poor sleep, and a busy lifestyle almost gets in the way of them taking action to resolve these issues. So when we designed the method, we were very mindful of all these challenges and we are totally focused on how we can help you resolve them. And it's safe to say that Karen and I have both walked in your steps when it comes to experiencing these midlife challenges. We understand uh, what you're going through and how transformational it can be to use nutrition to support and minimize the impact of these challenges. So we're on a mission to help midlife women who value their health and want to enjoy the running um, by making simple and targeted nutrition and lifestyle changes. So if you are interested in joining us or indeed just finding out more about the program, um, find out if you're a good fit for the program, then we'd invite you to book a discovery call with us. Now, the discovery call is, is a short, informal call. We just really want to make sure that you're the best fit for the program because we don't want you investing in the program if it isn't right for you and if, if it's not right for us either. So booking a discovery call doesn't mean you're committed to buying the program. It just gives you an opportunity to find out more and have your questions answered. Um, and we can, if you know, at the end of the call, we find that, you, you know, you're ready and the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner program is for you. Then we can make all the arrangements to get you booked onto the program. So we'll put a booking link into the show notes and it's on our website too. Uh, but if you can't find the booking link, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll send it over to you. And also, we just wanted to say, you know, we often have listeners in all sorts of different places in the world. So if you are um, living in a different time zone to the UK, do let us know because Karen and I can accommodate you uh, both for a discovery call and on the program. So we're very flexible with our working so don't uh, feel if you're in a different time zone that you're not able to work with us. So hope hope to see you on a discovery call soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Aileen. And um, I reiterate that we really look forward to answering your questions about the Healthy Women, Healthy Program, Healthy Runner Program when we speak to you on a discovery call. Wherever you are in the world, like Aileen said, we can accommodate all time zones. OK, so let's move on now and delve into some nutritional recommendations to help minimise that risk of and or um, help the speedy recovery from a hamstring injury. Now, I just wanted to start this section by quoting a prominent scientist in the world of sports nutrition. His name is Graham Close. And um, when I go to that um, sport and nutrition conference each year that um, I've mentioned to you before, he is one of the scientists that's there. Now, in a 2019 paper, that he led, and that was a paper looking at nutrition for the prevention and treatment of injuries. And he was looking at it um, from a track and field athlete's point of view. Now, he stated, it is important to recognise that appropriate nutritional strategies have the ability to reduce the risk of injuries as well as enhance recovery if an injury should occur. So all athletes should... Um, uh, really engage with a properly qualified nutritionist who can pr promote a food first approach to prevent and treat any injuries. And I think we would completely agree with that, that statement. And as you all will know, um, if you're a regular listener, we always promote that food first approach, although it might not 
always be food only approach it's definitely a food first approach and that will really depend on the needs of the individual yeah not only is it um you know that we agree with it it's like music to our ears when we hear somebody say food first especially real food uh, because it's what we endorse um you know the use of real food as the primary approach to nutritional support for health and running performance um so uh Thinking about that, let's look at the nutrients in food that have been researched for their ability to help prevent or to enhance recovery from injury. And uh, obviously, we'll have an emphasis on hamstring injury. So um, protein is the first one to think about. Um, so today, there have been um, lots of research um saying that, you know, as long as an athlete is consuming adequate protein on a daily basis, then additional protein is not thought to help prevent an injury occurring. Um, but um, you, if you did increase your intake of protein, that might be beneficial following an injury. Um, so, you know, we're really saying optimal protein day to day. But if you have an injury, you might need to increase that amount of protein. Um, and the reason for doing that is that it has a potential um, to reduce um, mus muscle atrophy, so muscle wasting that might occur due to immobilization. And it's because of this immobilization um, the, the immobilization reduces the resting muscle protein synthesis as well as anabolic resistance or a, a resistance to muscle building. Um, so that's one uh, good reason. Also, an increased protein intake might also re promote repair um, because the amino acids from protein are key in promoting muscle repair. So a couple of good reasons there to consider your protein following an injury. Yeah, definitely. And just really to um, reiterate some advice about protein intake and um, and when to, to, to take it. And we've mentioned this many times before, but the, the aims, um, the aim of an increased protein intake really is to ensure that you distribute your intake throughout the day. Um, you know, there's no evidence to say that having all your protein at, at breakfast time or all your protein at dinner time is going to, to help support um, the healing process any more than distributing it evenly. In fact, it's supposed to be more beneficial if you do distribute it evenly. Aim to have four to six portions of protein per day. So Aileen and I always advocate having your three meals per day with protein and then um, two snacks, so one in the morning and one in the afternoon, but ensuring that they are protein rich. Um, increase your intake of protein to at least 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Uh, it might be more for some individuals, um, but it is very individual. It's very personalised. Um, we would recommend really working with a qualified nutritional practitioner to establish that correct intake um, for you. Now, we can certainly assist you with that. Um, and if it's something that you're interested in or you feel would be beneficial, then do get in contact with us at hello at um, runnershealthhub.com and, um, and we can um, give you some professional advice and support on protein intake. And then also thinking about omega-3 fatty acids. Now, they're well known for being anti-inflammatory, and it's thought that they um, can really help enhance the repair of any injury. Now, the research uh, certainly regarding um, the the 
the hamstring injuries and soft tissue injury, it's supplementation. So, so omega three supplements that they um, that they have focused on, and um, and this is because they can be given at much higher doses than could be achieved via the diet. So to make them therapeutic, especially if you've got an injury, um, it's it suggests that taking supplements would be more beneficial. And um, a study that was carried out in 2014 by um, McClory and colleagues, they suggested five grams per day of fish oils and having that for a minimum of two weeks. So, um, so that's just, but that's just one study looking at looking at omega threes. Yeah, and again, we we recommend you working with a qualified nutritionist to establish the correct supplements for you. Mm-hmm. However, um, thinking about injury prevention with a food first approach to omega three fatty acids, um, you could consider. Uh, some foods such as a portion of oily fish. So, you know, around about 120 to 150 grams of oily fish consumed three times a week. So when we're thinking about oily fish, we're um, considering salmon, anchovies, sardines uh, and mackerel. So there's a few different choices there. And um, from a plant-based point of view, it's thinking about seeds and nuts, in particular hemp seed, flax seeds and chia seeds and walnuts. So having one to two portions, so one to two tablespoons of any of these daily will help your omega-3 fatty acid um, status. Um, Also, we've got to think about vitamin D. um, And we we hope that many runners are vitamin D sufficient due to the time they spend outdoors. Um, But, you know, if you live in the northern hemisphere or run a great deal on the treadmill or even wear sunblock every time you run outdoors, then you can be at risk of insufficiency or deficiency. Um, So that's something to bear in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about the link between um, vitamin D and a hamstring injury, it is thought that um, a vitamin D deficiency could impair that muscle regeneration following the damage to the muscle. So vitamin D is is really important. Um, And thinking about it from a supplementation point of view, um, it is thought that taking, and this is what we advocate as well, about 2,000 to 4,000 international units of vitamin D3 as a supplement during the winter months um, is really thought to help support having a serum, so a a blood vitamin D level of 75 nanomoles um, per litre or greater, which is is a good level of vitamin D. But having that alongside sensible sun exposure in the summer as well. So supplementing during the winter, using the sun and the benefits of the sun during the summer. Now, regarding vitamin D levels, we strongly advocate a test, not guess approach, uh, because actually vitamin D at high levels in the body is known to be toxic to the body. So just bear that in mind. And and really, a vitamin test is very easy and relatively cheap to have done privately. And, And I say to have it done privately because GPs don't tend to do this test unless there is a medical reason to do so. So you couldn't just walk into your GP or speak to them on the phone as it is these days and ask for a vitamin D test unless there was a a medical reason for it. Now, 
like I say, it's it's a relatively cheap test. And you could check out our shop on our website to find out more about the companies that we recommend for vitamin D testing. And, um, and you could also contact us again for support in analysing the results and recommending appropriate supplementation for you. So you can visit the shop at um, runnershealthhub.com and all you need to do is just click on the shop button and scroll down to our favourite nutrition screening tests and you'll get all the information now. Okay, thanks for that, Karen. Um, so we're, we're sort of beginning to come towards the end of the episode today, but I just thought I'd like to give a quick mention to some other uh, nutrients uh, that have been researched for their antioxidant and free, free radical scavenging properties, and they are vitamin C, vitamin E, and polyphenols. Now, the, the free radicals are, are unstable molecules that are released as a result of inflammation, and they're known to increase the magnitude of muscle damage. So having these healing nutrients are thought to uh, speed up recovery time and they also reduce the extent of muscle damage. Um, So particularly, there's been some significant research carried out with uh, Montmorency cherries. And we've talked about these in the past. They're very tart cherries and they um, we've talked about their influence on running performance in previous uh, episodes. Um, Now, you, you know, you're more likely probably to use them as a as a supplement rather than getting the fresh fruit because uh, it's not maybe that easy to get them. Um, but it's it's another consideration to take on board. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you know regarding those um, those vitamins and minerals and polyphenols you've spoken about, Aileen. I think really ensuring you're eating a healthy, balanced diet consistently, including that half a plate of vegetables at each meal that we go on about all the time because it's so important. Uh, But also having one to two pieces of fruit daily is thought to be the best strategy in optimising intake of these different nutrients rather than um, resorting to the nutrient supplementation. But that doesn't take away from what you're saying, Aileen, regarding the if it was particularly the, the tart cherries um, that you're looking for, because they do certainly in the UK, they do mostly come in the supplement supplementary um, form. And I think really, you know, just ensuring that you have half a plate of vegetables and you have an appropriate amount of fruit per day is a really easy action point for everybody to go away from this conversation and consider putting in place to to help maybe prevent a hamstring injury occurring in the future, whether you've had one in the past or you've never had one, you don't want one to occur. So again, so um, that might be an easy action point. Yeah, I think it is an easy action point. And if it's done consistently, it's going to really help. So thanks uh, for ending on a positive food first note, Karen. And I think the simple action point you've shared is, is one that everybody can Uh, put into action Um, so let's just round up now and I wondered Karen if you would give us your key takeaways from today's episode yeah of course Aileen so just to remind everybody that most hamstring injuries occur during speed running and most likely occur again due to that excessive muscle strain caused by eccentric muscle contraction during that late swing phase of the running gait cycle. Now, there are many risk factors for um, a hamstring injury occurring, and these include running style. So, for example, 
people and your posture if you lean too far forward or you're a heel striker, but also age, tired and weak muscles, chronic hormone balance and also a pro-inflammatory diet. But that's not exhaustive. You know, there are other um, potential risk factors as well. Now, females are known to have a lower risk of hamstring injuries than males. And this is due to the influence of estrogen. However, that risk does increase at menopause and beyond. Now, a runner could help limit the risk of developing a hamstring injury by ensuring that they warm up and cool down appropriately. Also thinking about foam rolling and stretching and doing it consistently, as well as including some strength training as well on a regular basis. If you were to develop a hamstring injury, then we would really recommend that you stop running immediately and consult with a qualified musculoskeletal practitioner. but Immediate action you could take for yourself um, could be to introduce the rice therapy for um, the first two or three days. So that's the rest, the ice, the compression and the elevation that Aileen spoke about. And then finally, when thinking about your nutrition to help prevent or to promote healing from a hamstring injury, then remember the food first approach and include the key nutrients such as protein, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin C and E, and the polyphenols that you will find in plant-based foods. And that's where I would end it, Aileen. Well, thank you, Karen. That was very insightful. And I hope that everyone's feeling more informed regarding uh, what you need to do to prevent a hamstring injury occurring to you. And uh, remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for women's changing bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.